This is episode 179 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hello, friends. It's Jessie, and I am so jazzed to tell you that the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, or PFSA, is open for enrollment for a limited time. The PFSA is the only comprehensive postnatal certification for fitness and health practitioners that helps existing and aspiring pros to support moms and parents in their postnatal recovery. It is a fully online 11 module course that teaches you how to effectively work with new and seasoned postpartum people in their fitness, exercise, and sport coaching from a pelvic health informed perspective. It gives you concepts, theories, and strategies for training and treating people with diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse, incontinence, pelvic and back pain, and other postpartum health considerations. It will show you how to approach postpartum fitness and wellness from a size-friendly, weight-inclusive, and non-diet lens, and it will give you the skills to set yourself apart in your industry with this expertise. Note that there are two tracks of the academy you can choose from, self-study or group mentorship. In both, you have two years access to the course. In self-study, you move at your own pace throughout the material. In the group mentorship, you go into a 12-week long small group container where you'll be working closely with myself and our co-coach, Tara Abel, to help you complete the course and your certification within those 12 weeks. You'll meet us weekly for a live call where we'll review the material learned in each module, answer your questions, and coach you on the most important aspect of that module's education. And ultimately, we'll help you prepare for the final exam at the end of the course. The group mentorship is for people who work best with some accountability built in and with a timeline in mind. And also, you want access to coaching through the certification program and process. There are only 10 spots available in the group mentorship. And while enrollment is open for the academy until the 11th, if those spots are gone, then the group mentorship will no longer be available to enroll in. All right, friends, go to the link in today's show notes for the Academy, and I really hope to see you in there. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. Today on the show, we are talking about how to help your postpartum clients release some of their fear about exercising or doing daily life tasks when they have public health symptoms. So this is a biggie for me with my fitness coaching clients, those who might be experiencing some incontinence, leaking, pelvic organ prolapse, or even pelvic pain or lower back pain. 
and they are feeling very nervous about those symptoms or the potential discomfort or pain that's going to ramp up for them and what that means for exercise. And a lot of my people who have these fears have had bad experiences with exercise ramping up their symptoms or pain, and they are scared to go back down that road again. Is this happening for your people? You know, working on these fears just gives so much more control back to them um, of how they can manage day to day, but with exercise as well. Um, that I just find it just gives that, yeah, that empowerment, that control back to them that once they figure out the strategies that work, it's just pretty awesome to see those light bulb moments um, when they when they share about what like how what how they've progressed or what they're able to do or how they've surprised themselves with what they can do. Yeah, this stuff is the best. Some of my most fun coaching moments with postpartum people happen around this stuff where they're like, I did it and I felt okay. It's such a celebration for them. All right, so let's talk about kind of the five key realms that we focus in on when we are helping our clients release some of these fears about their pelvic health symptoms. So number one, we have to do some education around pelvic floor function. And like you were saying, Anita, often this is re-education and maybe clearing up some myths and misinformation about what they have been given by say other providers, practitioners, or what they have read on the internet tends to be a big one. So what I think is so important for my people working in fitness is just that they have some understanding around where the pelvic floor is because often people really aren't even sure what that means, where the pelvic floor muscles are and what those muscles and that whole structure functions to do. And then also what the pelvic floor muscles do and are used for, and that they are not only used to contract super hard. Exactly. The... And it's interesting that you brought up the contracting or the clenching or people feel like I should be just clenching and holding all the time. And sometimes just undoing some of those habits or, you know, beliefs that a lot of us were told. Um, And I'm sure if you and I were not in this line of work, I'm sure we would be doing them too, right? Like clenching the abdomen all the time because we're told like we need to engage our core 24-7. Or if we're leaking or have pelvic organ prolapse or pelvic pain that we should be clenching our pelvic floor constantly. So that relaxation component or that flexibility component of the pelvic floor, I find that in itself can start to change symptoms. And often that's the strategy people are using when it comes to certain symptoms and exercise. Yeah, absolutely. I actually really like that you just called it flexibility of the pelvic floor. I think that that makes so much sense to people, even maybe more so than saying, relax your pelvic floor. I'm going to teach you how to release your pelvic floor muscles. They're like, I I don't know what that even means or how that would even feel in my body. But when you can liken it to something that they more so understand, And flexibility often is a term that will make sense to them in their brain. 
and they understand what flexibility might mean through their hamstring muscles, the backs of their legs. So they can probably understand what you're talking about when you say flexibility of the pelvic floor, even though I know you're not quite meaning like we're going to stretch your pelvic floor muscles in these wild ways and hold them. But you mean that the pelvic floor needs to be able to be adaptable and to move in lots of different ways, just like every other body part that you have. Yeah, I, I liken it to like our pelvic floor is like a trampoline, like there needs to be give. So we do need that relaxation component and that engagement component rather than I, I know sometimes public floors talked about like a hammock. I don't talk about it in that way though. Cause to me that like, there's not, there isn't that flexibility or that contractile component. People just kind of picture these muscles just kind of hanging on and holding versus a trampoline. I find gives a better image to that. Yes. Like there's rebound that occurs, not just sagging. Okay, cool. So give your clients some education around pelvic floor function, pelvic floor muscle function, where that part of their body is and what those muscles and that structure does. Number two, this one is huge and can be an ongoing effort. And that is figure out what their ideas and beliefs are about their symptoms, pain, or maybe some diagnosis that they might have been given. People attach a lot of meaning and have a lot of stories around what their leaking or their grade of pelvic organ prolapse might mean. And a lot of clients who I have worked with can get really nervous about what that means and can start to get pretty spirally on then what their symptoms mean about their body, but not just their body today, their body 30 years from now. It's, it's true. And I find even kind of going to the idea with pelvic organ prolapse that I find sometimes symptoms with uh, prolapse can also be similar to someone with um tension or who tends to carry tension in their pelvic floor. So this like heaviness sensation. So I find sometimes clients get really concerned um, of what actually is going on. And for some people, they end up being surprised of like, actually, it's like the kind of the reaction. And I know you've mentioned this before, Jess, too, that sometimes you've had that heaviness sensation and you find you're more um, in terms of carrying tension in your pelvic floor that that sometimes gives that symptom. So I do find it is helpful to be able to assess and kind of go through and, you know, explain and use our pelvic floor model and explain like what is actually going on with these muscles and also assess people in like as a pelvic physio, I can assess people in different positions. So standing is often one I'll do because a lot of times people typically are more symptomatic standing than lying down on the table. So being able to do that gives a lot of um, insight to the client as well. And then it's great working like as a physio, if you're working with a coach, you can relay that information to them too. So then like all of you, like you, the client, the coach are all um, understanding the same thing um, of what is actually going on. Yes. So for me, I clearly remember when I was seven or eight months postpartum, maybe. And I had so much education around this stuff even then, but I was feeling 
certain that I had some prolapse that was happening. And I went to Gail Hume, whom we love, pelvic floor physical therapist, physio in Calgary for a session. And I wanted her to assess me internally. And I was like, for sure, there's some prolapse happening. And she was like, nope, it just hold in a lot of tension there. And I just think it's so interesting because I have coached so many people through this same experience before that and then through to this day but just again like these sensations that we feel in our body and then what we tell ourselves it is and then what it means about us and what it means about our future I it is so valid and it often might be a little bit worse or more severe or more scary than maybe the reality of the situation is. So there's just a lot of things happening and I want to validate that it is so common and so very real to feel these fears. And it's something that honestly, I still go through and just have more skills now in talking myself through my symptoms. So I still get symptoms of tension and it feels like bulgy and heavy for me in my pelvic floor. But now I can go to, okay, here's what I'm feeling in my body. Here's what I know that this potentially means for me on this day. And it's just information for me. And here are the three things that I know I can do to help me soothe myself about it mentally and emotionally, but also physically. I know there's maybe one or two things I can do to help that symptom kind of ramp down and chill out a little bit that's for anything like we're talking about specifically here pelvic floor tension and how some symptoms come up with that but if you are experiencing pelvic organ prolapse or you are having leaking um, or other types of pelvic pain what Jess mentioned is really true like having once you're understanding kind of what is going on with your body and then finding out those strategies. And as a physio and as a coach, like that's part of our role is to, to help you discover those strategies that you can do when you're not seeing us. So then, you know, day to day, you're like, I got this, I know how to manage this. Um, So to know that for any symptom uh, it's possible to do that. Yeah. It's so important to work with your clients in figuring out what their like symptom starter pack to soothing is going to be what can you help them with is it a couple words is it a phrase that they repeat to themselves is it maybe one or two exercises is it a way that they distract themselves out of it so yeah definitely have these conversations with your people and give them work with them in developing some strategies about what they will use when this stuff comes up because this stuff will come up for a lot of people and might come up for years and years to come we just we don't know so yes developing some sort of strategy around it can be so comforting for them and just give them some reassurance so number three is so key, and that is help them find some success and confidence with practice and exposure. So for me, what that looks like, let's say in exercise coaching for postpartum folks is 
maybe that they are afraid that strength training or weightlifting is going to ramp up their lower back or pelvic pain. So what I need to do is design a program that they are going to find success with and build confidence in, in terms of the exercise, the reps, the sets, the loads, however I want to design that. But I need to get them through exercises or a workout and have them feel well and have them feel proud and have them feel really capable in their body. That's so key. And being able to walk walk through them, right? Like whether you're a coach or a practitioner is within your session, being able to have them feel those differences and gain that confidence within that time so that they feel more confident than that they'll be able to do it on their own or try it out on their own. Um, And then as we talked about previously, like giving them strategies. So let's say you go and you do this on your own at home and you notice some symptoms. What can you do in the moment to help yourself manage those? And I even am just thinking about one recent scenario with a client who is going through a new eight-week postnatal running program that we have with our coaching clients right now. And we're in week six. And she said to me, I never thought that I would be able to run again without leaking. And I haven't leaked at all one time in these last six weeks. And really, it yes, it was the programming and the coaching and the cueing that got her there to some degree, but it's also my messaging around the program and the workouts. It is the confidence that I'm instilling. And it's also some level of calm that I am giving to them, you know, in our warmups before they go out to these workouts in the instructions that they're reading about the workouts that they're doing at home. So it's really, it is just the whole scenario surrounding the workout program or the exercises that you're giving your people. It's the language that you are using that all impacts how they're going to feel about their body and what they are able to do. Number four Use slow and steady change to their programming, especially if you have someone who is feeling quite nervous or anxious at first. What I have found with my clients who do err on this side of maybe being a bit nervous or fearful is to not rush them along to where I think they could be because they might not be psychologically ready for it. So you might know that they are physically ready for it. They are strong enough. They absolutely could do more weight or more reps or more resistance, but maybe that's just not necessary. And maybe that's not going to be the thing that helps them find success and confidence in what you're asking of them. So I think it's just especially as fitness coaches to remind ourselves that we don't need to rush them along. We don't need to push them super hard. We don't need to add on all the weights and have the workout be more intense for them. That's not where the benefit of this lies. And lastly, number five, 
there might be some physical supports that could help them. And Anita, I'm sure you have these conversations with your people all the time, but using a pessary or using a liner in their underwear or shorts or using absorbent underwear if they are leaking. And maybe these things are just to help them feel better about it. Maybe they don't, you know, quote unquote, need them, whatever that might mean for people. But these things can be so useful for people. Us as practitioners and coaches, part of our role, again, is to give options and explain why they may be helpful you know, leave it to the client to decide what they feel is best. Or if they're like, sometimes I'll have clients say, I'm going to try without anything. But if I do, for example, with prolapse, if I feel like I need more support, then I know a pessary is an option. Um, So I think it's just providing those resources and clients appreciate it knowing, okay, there are options. So I can choose what I need when I feel I need it, if I need it. So important. And again, I think that these things have been vilified in some way in our industries to some degree. Liners, like panty liners, absorbent underwear, you know, us saying or colleagues in our industry saying that these are Band-Aid solutions and we shouldn't be encouraging them. But I think that we should be encouraging them if that's what helps our people to feel better in their bodies, in the moment, in the workout, in their day, because isn't that really what we're going for is to help them feel better. Yeah. And I think it, it, you mentioned before, even kind of this comfort or safety feeling like I do have some clients who maybe they come in and they have been wearing pads and then they feel they can go to a liner and then they feel like, I don't really need the liner, but I, I want it there just in case. And I always say it's whatever you're comfortable with, because if it's you working out with a liner versus not working out because you're concerned that you're not going to be comfortable and you don't necessarily feel safe. Um, Cause a lot of people use that term. Like, I don't really feel safe. Like I feel like I'm going to be nervous or like if something happens, So I say, use whatever you need to use so that you can do the activity you want to do. And if or when you feel ready to then move to something else or that you don't necessarily need it anymore, like you always have that option. Um, And sometimes too, in that circumstance, or even with clients who are kind of nervous, they want to try without a liner, but they're not really sure. Um, I'll say, okay, so where would you feel the most safe not using it in case symptoms came up? So for some people, it's like, okay, rather than working out at the gym, they're like, if I did my workout at home, like at the bathroom is there, if I leak, I feel okay. So then we talk through those scenarios. So I think that's really key as a coach and practitioner too, is like really kind of dive a bit deeper of like, what your client feels comfortable with and then creating that atmosphere if they do want to test things out how you can make that feel the most safe for them it's such good advice and especially what you're saying about even if they're using it as just a way to feel safer in their body that's so beautiful that's what we want for them and how do we think that their body is going to respond under load and stress if they're feeling unsafe in their body? 
likely not great for a lot of people. So perhaps if we can help them to feel more safe in any way, they're probably going to feel a lot better in how their body actually does during that workout session and maybe in the days after that session too. All right, so let's run down quickly our top five and how to help your postpartum clients release their fears or some fears about exercising or doing life tasks with pelvic health symptoms. So number one, give them some solid evidence-based education around pelvic floor muscle function. Number two, have conversations with them around their ideas and beliefs about their symptoms or their pain. And can we rework what those stories mean to better help them along? Number three, help them find success and confidence with practice, with exercise, and with exposure to movements. Help them feel that they are capable and able. Number four, go for slow, steady change to their programming or to the intensity that you might be prescribing to someone. We do not need to rush them along to a point where they are not feeling well or safe with what we're asking of them. And number five, absolutely encourage or support the use of physical supports that might help them including pessaries, liners, or different types of underwear. And again, all in the name of helping people feel better in their bodies. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 